This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. Together, we will unpack fantasy, faith, and life with you. And no, we're not experts, but rather fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win while finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. I'm coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministry Studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We will be joined by Harrison Zuckerberg coming to you from Texas here in just a few minutes. We have got so much to discuss the fantasy football season. This is the heart of it right now. This is make or break right now. Who's, who's going to make the playoffs and who's going to make the, the, the run toward the playoffs? I got a couple teams that have won four in a row, so I'm feeling good. But I'm also wondering, uh-oh, am I peaking too early? You don't want to peak too early. You want to make sure you have enough guys that are going to pop toward the end of the year too. And so uh, we'll discuss all the big storylines and guys to invest in at this, this point in the season. Guys that were panicking, we'll do peace or panic. And we'll also let you know what we're convinced of. Uh, before we jump in, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. My wife and I, we've been so thankful to be MetaShare uh, members for, for over five years. And, and MetaShare has provided us with an affordable and effective way to pay for healthcare. And so they're an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. And so you can find out more metashare.com slash unpacking it metashare.com slash unpacking it they're the nation's largest healthcare sharing community and so metashare members take comfort in knowing their eligible medical expenses will be shared by their community and so very thankful to partner with them and thankful to be a member of metashare myself all right let's jump right in and we'll begin with some fantasy shenanigans Harrison, how do you feel uh, following week number, gosh, week nine? Here we go. All right, man, how you doing? I'm doing great. This is a crazy week for me because Monday Night Football, aside from being a Bears fan, Monday Night Football was make or break for me in a couple of leagues. In one league, I was down by 20 points going into Monday Night Football, and I had Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney going for me. And I was not feeling good entering the fourth quarter because Claypool had done nothing. Mooney had only like one catch. It looked like I was going to lose. And then Darnell Mooney in the final quarter of the game, he has the one rushing touchdown, which was kind of a fluke wildcat play, which was cool. That gives me up. And then the final drive, even though the Bears lost, comes through, scores the touchdown on a beautiful throw from Justin Fields to put me over the edge. I win by two. Awesome oh, fantasy dude. night for me. Just 
unbelievable right in the high. And then obviously the bears end up losing at the end, but you know, it, it was a win-win with the uh, Darnell Mooney touchdown and they got to watch some good football anyways. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to talk about the game in a moment um, for me, fantasy wise, I went five and one on the weekend. So I'm feeling good. However, that one team that lost, that's my Derrick Henry team. And a few weeks ago, I said, if you're, if Derrick Henry is carrying you, you're in trouble. And guess what? I'm in trouble. So I was winning with him. Actually, I, was, I, was, I wasn't even, I was barely surviving. That's why I knew that I was concerned for myself. And now I'm seeing it. Um, I, I've got some major issues. And of course, that's our Fantasy Football Fellowship uh, Standard League. So uh, <laughs> uh, listeners of the show probably are in that league. And so it's embarrassing that that's the league that I'm struggling in. Uh, but it's very unfortunate. So I fall to four and five, and it was a disaster. I don't even think I broke 70 points. So um, so that's the negative side. However, my other teams are doing well. My main league, my ring league, I'm in first place. But like I said, I might be peaking too early, so I'm a little worried about that. However, the big celebration for me in fantasy, George Kittle is back. The San Francisco 49ers are in trouble, and I'm very concerned about them, and we've talked about them throughout the season, is they got some talented players and guys that we like in fantasy. But it's been a little up and down, a little hit or miss. You don't know what to think. But as a team, I'm afraid in that division, I just, they're the odd team out. And I don't see them really getting it together uh, in a big way. So it makes me a little hesitant. However, George Kittle being out there, getting into the end zone, Garoppolo looking for him, that was very encouraging for me. Uh, And then I don't like leagues that have kickers and defenses. I'm not a fan of those leagues. I happen to be in one. And I started. The Dallas kicker, Zerline, who's supposed to be good, and Dallas defense, which has been great. They both got me zeros combined. So I got to combine zero points from Dallas kicker defense combination and very upset about that. Uh, and then the one other shenanigan, I don't know how, if other people experienced this. So I had David Montgomery on my IR spot. Well, he wasn't activated until, what, Sunday late afternoon or Monday morning, but everybody had kind of played. So I just left him on my IR, which isn't necessarily, I don't even know if it's right or wrong. It's just kind of, it is what it is. It was just a weird situation. So that was uh, unfortunate, but now I'll activate them. Um, and speaking of that, let's talk Monday Night Football. Um, what did you make of Montgomery's return? I, of course, have been wave, or carrying the, the, the banner for Khalil Herbert. He's, he got squeezed out last night. He, he was not much, very much involved, and, and that's a little disappointing. But Montgomery was awesome before he got hurt and stepped in. You know, pretty good Steelers defense. They played well. Um, but, but what did you make of it? Yeah, that was my big takeaway was seeing how little work Khalil Herbert got in this offense. You know, I thought he was at least going to have some sort of a role, at least for the few games coming back. And I actually started him over Montgomery thinking, all right, it's Montgomery's yeah. first game back. They're going to ease him in. But yep. they went full on with Montgomery in this game. So I guess he really was probably ready maybe last week and they just didn't play him at all last week. Yep. knowing he's going to come back full strength. So that's the sad thing about this is that Khalil Herbert probably doesn't have a place in this offense now going forward. It is going to be really David Montgomery focused, which is good. If you draft a David Montgomery, this is what you hope for at the beginning of the season. And then looking towards the Pittsburgh side of things, I'm worried about every single Pittsburgh receiver, not named 
Fryermuth. His emergence yeah. has really taken away. I, so I started him in one of my leagues this week, but I had already won in that league by a good amount. So I was like torn because I needed a clay pool to get touchdowns to win this other league and Fryermuth to score them. So I was like, oh, yes, Fryermuth. But ah, I really needed to be this other guy because that's where I needed the points in another league. Um, but, you know, the big thing about Pittsburgh was there were so many guys in this offense that we didn't know, you know, the mouths to feed, how it was all going to work out. But as long as they were scoring points in the red zone, they would still have value. You know, Chase Claypool made his living last year in fantasy having these three touchdown games in the red zone. But if all of that red zone works going to Fryermuth now, I really do not see any of the appeal of having any Pittsburgh wide receivers or any Pittsburgh players in general on this team besides Najee Harris because he's going to get all of the running work in Fryermuth if he gets that red zone work as well. Give me some love for Fryermuth. Give me some love, Harrison. I picked him up a few weeks ago. I hung on to him. He has delivered. He has been awesome. Two touchdowns last night. Incredible. And I'm fired up. The crazy thing is I've got him in a league with Kittle, Hawkinson, and, and Fryermuth. So there's not really a spot for him unless I go double double tight end flex. But um, the big question is, if he, Eric Ebron comes back, who's been decent, um, do, do both of them have a role? And you talk about the concern for the wide receivers. It, maybe those, maybe they go a little bit more, you know, run the ball with Harris, two tight ends, safer plays, uh, and, and kind of maximize whatever's left of, of Big Ben. So it is, it's, it's intriguing to see what Pittsburgh can do the rest of the way, even from a, just a pure football standpoint. Are they going to sneak into the playoffs? Uh, I, I have no faith. No faith in them sneaking in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, against the Bears, I don't think this team's very good, but I do think there's some fantasy relevant players. And another thing that looks not so great for the Pittsburgh wide receivers, but good for the tight ends and running back, that final drive at the end of the game and just for the whole game in general, Big Ben can't throw the ball more than like 10 yards down the field. It is all short, quick stuff, which is good for Najee, good for, you know, Pat. But, you know, if you're thinking that Chase Claypool is going to get these big, like 50 yard catches, I don't think Big Ben can even get him the ball that deep down the field. So it's really going to be a tight end running back focused offense, I think, for the rest of the season. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. So, uh, then from the, the Chicago standpoint, um, I, I actually traded for Allen Robinson this week. I traded Russell Gage for him to somebody who lives in Atlanta. So I was like, ah, I'll buy really low on Robinson. And he did okay last night, but then he got hurt at the end. So we'll see if he uh, does anything the rest of the way. It was a little bit of a flyer on my part, but um, it's a keeper league. So having Robinson next year somewhere else might, might be okay. But he has been, I would say, one of the biggest disappointments in fantasy this year. Got a, a top five anyway especially somebody who up to this point hasn't been injured. He's been out there doing nothing, uh, but we know how talented he is based on, on what he's done over the years. Uh, but him, him and fields haven't necessarily had that chemistry like him and Mooney have. So uh, that's what's uh, yeah. Good for good for Mooney for sure. All right, let's jump into I'm convinced. And then we'll get into the playbook uh, in just a moment. And I've got some quick, I'm convinced for you uh, this week. The first one, I'm convinced that I'm afraid to play anyone against the Broncos defense at this point because they shut down one of the best offenses in the league. Dallas could not move the ball in any, in any way. And, and, you know, it's hard to know how banged up Dak was and now Zeke maybe a little banged up. So it's a little hard to tell on Dallas, but I think the takeaway for me is Denver has a solid D even though Von Miller's gone. Um, And so 
that AFC West, which is loaded with offensive fantasy relevant players, makes me take a little bit pause when I look at my lineup and go, ooh, Chargers have the Broncos. Yikes. Uh, I don't know. Kansas City. Well, Kansas City's got enough issues as it is. But um, oh, now they got to play Denver. So a uh, little hesitant there. That's what I'm convinced of. What about for you? So coming off this Monday night game and last week, I'm convinced that Justin Fields will be a top 15 fantasy QB for the rest of the season. Now, Ooh, Bears, he's Bears looked, love coming through. Yep. So he's looked really good the last couple of weeks, not in the first half, but in the second half of games, which is what gives me hope going into this bye week. He's looked a lot more decisive. He has 150 rushing yards in the last two games, which we know how big rushing is for fantasy quarterbacks. And the reason why I'm so excited about him is because it's what he does off script. Now, Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor, who call the plays for Chicago, I think they completely limit him in the first half of the game with their, you know, their play calls and the game scripts that all these teams have. But once you get into the fourth quarter, you see it with Justin Fields, him running around, making plays. He was exceptional last night when it counted most, and he went off script and, and hit Darnell Mooney for the big big gain, and they hit uh, Allen Robinson down the sideline on a beautiful throw. I think going into the bye week this week, uh, Fields is going to go to the head coach and the offensive corner and say, hey, you drafted me because of how talented I am. Stop trying to baby me. Let me go out there and do my thing. And I think he's going to do his thing for the rest of the season and be a great fantasy QB. I liked what I saw. I enjoy Fields. I think he's he's got that it factor, and so I'm I'm bought in. As much as I'm out on Jordan Love, I'm in on on Fields. I'm not sure if it's going to be this year, though. I, th- I guess that's part of the hesitation. But but I think moving forward, uh, w- without a doubt. Um. All right. I'm convinced that the fantasy quarterback production this year has been really difficult on fantasy owners like more so this year than in in recent years just you know guys that you you were really counting on I know you were big on Kyler Murray now now he's banged up we were feeling great about Aaron Rodgers now he missed a game um uh the the Saints with Jameis Winston even him he was coming on and now he's out and now you're wondering about Taysom Hill is he going to be the guy? And then, you know, Tannehill, for me, that's, that's who I hitch my wagon to, has been great the last couple of years, has been about a, a QB8. Well, now this year he's like in the QB12 to 15 range. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has been a letdown. Herbert had a nice game against Philadelphia, but hasn't been lighting it up even as much as he did as a rookie. So you thought maybe he'd take even a bigger step forward from a fantasy production standpoint. But last year he was really uh, better, uh, putting up bigger numbers. Um, and so it just, you know, the list goes on. You just talk about all the quarterbacks. It, it just hasn't been as reliable where, okay, these are our top six quarterbacks and they're going to be the top six every week. It had, that just has not been the case. And they're kind of getting lumped into the rest of the, the other positions. Whereas over the years, they've been kind of the one position. All right. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes week in, week out. We know what we're getting from him. Uh, and you know, th- there's just been more of a handful of those guys each season. This year, throw your hands up. Russell Wilson, who we always knew was healthy, he's he's hurt this year. Uh, now he's coming back, of course, which which should be great for for him and fantasy owners. Uh, but I've been I've been yeah, just surprised by the QB production. Stafford, we were loving Stafford. Now has a big goose egg uh, against the uh, the Titans. Well, he, he finished okay toward the end, but he had a tough day for sure. Um, so there you go. What what else are you convinced of? 
So I'm convinced big news this week was Odell Beckham not playing for the Browns. He got released, going to clear waivers, see where he goes. I'm convinced that wherever he goes, he will be a top 25 fantasy wide receiver for the rest of the year. And my reason to believe this is because I'm betting on the talent of the player of Odell Beckham. And to me, it feels a lot like Antonio Brown last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, everything that's going on from a personality standpoint and in the locker room and off the field, same thing with Antonio Brown doesn't look great. But Antonio Brown still was great last year, even with, you know, two other alpha wide receivers with uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin when he was in Tampa Bay over the second half of last season. And the reason I think Odell can do a similar thing is because I don't think Odell is washed like some other people are saying. I just don't think he was being utilized correctly in Cleveland. And that's not Baker Mayfield's fault. That's not Kevin Stefanski's fault. It was just, you know, a whole marriage that didn't work between, you know, the situations of the passing game and Odell's strengths as a player. You know, Cleveland relies really heavily on the play-action pass. And in that offense, Odell Beck was asked to run these clear out routes down the field, you know, take away the safety to have room for guys underneath like Jarvis Landry. But that's really not what he's good at. You know, you go back and you look at when he was in New York, he was really great at the stuff around the line of scrimmage. Um, and then yards after the catch electric with the ball in his hands. I think he was the number one weight rated wide receiver on like yard or routes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage that last year when he was with the Giants, but he couldn't play that role in Cleveland because Jarvis Landry was already there and we know how great of a slot receiver he is. And the role that he did end up playing, you know, he was getting open like his his dad said. He, his dad posted this whole video of Odell Beckham's always open in 2021 but Which doesn't get the ball. Which is which is absurd, and he was getting open, but the yeah, the reason he wasn't getting the ball is because you know that's not what the offense is designed to do, and that's the same reason why we see Donovan Peoples Jones, you know, ran that same position this week that Odell usually runs, and yeah, he had the one big touchdown catch, but he only had two receptions, so it's not like he's getting the ball as often as you know someone like Odell Beckham should. So I think what he's going to do, if he goes to a team that either needs a really solid number two receiver where you look at, you know, like Green Bay or Kansas City, I think he'll fit in really well in that offense running the short stuff like he's been so exceptional at doing his whole career or even in a team like Seattle where they have two guys. But they're both deep, threat, deep threats. DK Metcalf is a deep threat. Tyler Lockett's a deep threat. Odell can be that guy over the middle, especially because Seattle doesn't have a huge, you know, tight end presence in their offense. You know, I think a lot of people right now in fantasy want nothing to do with Odell Beckham because they don't like the uncertainty. But I guarantee you he's going to end up somewhere. He's not going to go unclaimed. And one reason I believe this is actually have some insider information. Someone who I know is actually already working on a contract with him somewhere. They wouldn't tell me where it is, but he is getting signed somewhere. He has a contract in the works. Don't know where it is. So I really believe that this is going to be a season, much like Antonio Brown's, where no one wants anything to do with Antonio Brown. But then once he got with that elite quarterback and Tom Brady, who obviously not every quarterback is Tom Brady, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes aren't too bad themselves. Or even Russell Wilson, if he ends up there, he's going to have an exceptional fantasy season for you in the playoffs in the second half and could be a difference maker in your lineup. So if someone cut him for some reason, go get him. And if someone's not valuing him super highly, go trade for him, kind of like you do with Allen Robinson. All right, Harrison. I'm I'm buying into what you're saying, and over the so last week, somebody in my league, actually a dynasty league, this was a crazy thing. He cut 
OBJ. So he went on waivers over the weekend and we do the fob. I went all in all my chips, $53. That's all I had left. And I, I won the bid. And so I've added OBJ. So I'm like, I'm right in maybe sixth place in the league. Six teams make the playoffs. And I was like, well, I got to make a move now. This is my one chance that if I am going to make a run to the top this year, uh, I got to get somebody like OBJ. And so I'm, I'm, I'm counting on it. So, so we'll see. I'm, I'm, if he ends up in Green Bay, which I, that was, I saw one post before uh, we, we started recording, um, that, could, that could be pretty sweet. Well, if you look oh at like goodness. what Alan Lazard has done in Green Bay, I don't think there's yeah. anyone in the world who would say that Odell Beckham's a least, like, less talented receiver at this point than Alan Lazard. So if Alan Lazard can be fantasy relevant, OBJ can be fantasy relevant. I mean, come on. Like, he just needs the right opportunity just because it doesn't work in Cleveland with what they were asking him to do doesn't mean he's a bad receiver like he is still Odell Beckham Jr. absolutely the talent's still there the, really the big thing too is he's just been injured so if, if he's actually out there consistently in the right fit uh he he could emerge yet again all right let's um we'll, we'll save we got we have some other I'm convinced but we'll save some of that we'll, we'll get into the investor pass we want to talk about the Titans backfield definitely need to get into that uh, the Denver Broncos backfield is very interesting. The, the Broncos wide receivers are very interesting toward the second half of the season that we, we've got to take a look at as well. Uh, but let's jump into the playbook and, and then that will lead us into accountability and confession because this week's topic is all about admitting when we're wrong. And so if this is your first time listening to the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast, uh, each week we take one of the, the topics from the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook. Uh, I wrote this a few years ago, and we use this uh, with our leagues here that, that are part of Unpacking It, and then churches or other leagues use this book as a, a small group uh, type of curriculum throughout the fantasy season. And so we, uh, we also discuss it here on the podcast. And so uh, one of the harder things to do in life is to, to admit when we're wrong. And so we'll start from a fantasy perspective. You know, at this point in the year, there's probably been a couple of players that you've hung on to for a long time. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about compounding sin or compounding mistakes. And, and this kind of continues that, that conversation a little bit um, to where you just hold on to somebody too long. And, and for, for me, I hung on to Kenneth Gainwell for a long time. I, I drafted him in the summer, rookie running back, thinking, all right, once uh, Miles Sanders goes down in Philadelphia, if he goes down, Gainwell will get an opportunity. He'll be great. Well, I was wrong. I was wrong because Boston Scott got the opportunity. Howard, Jordan Howard got the opportunity. And so this week I cut Gainwell. Of course, he got in the end zone, but it just wasn't enough production for me to, to hang on to him. And so I had to admit, all right, I was wrong. He wasn't the guy that was going to fill in and I, I've got to move on. Um, and so throughout the fantasy season, there are key moments where we have to admit we're wrong. And sometimes we'll in, invest in somebody on waiver wire and we think, oh, he's going to come in and be great. He's not. After maybe two weeks, we realize it and say, oh, I was wrong. I missed with, but you move on too often. We hang on to these things where we're not willing to admit that we were wrong and and it and it costs us um and so when we do admit it it actually frees us up it frees us up to then add somebody else and we're not we're not stuck in in the same way and, 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 and continuing down the same path um oftentimes this is stubbornness this is pride uh in fantasy and then of course this translates to life and and one of the great 
you know, principles, as, especially as followers of Jesus, is what happens when we confess and admit, admit when we're weak, admit when we're wrong, admit that it was our fault. I'm teaching my two-year-old daughter right now to say my fault. Yeah, my bad, my bad, my fault, my fault. Um, the sooner we learn it, the, the better. And it doesn't mean you beat yourself up all the time and, oh, I'm the worst, you know. But, it, but it's just this regular rhythm of acknowledging, okay, I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. I screw up. And, and saying, yeah, I screwed up in this area. I made a mistake there. Yep, I fell short. Whoops, my bad. And not in a, not in a casual who cares way, but in a I'm truly sorry and, and truly wanting to make things better. And, and, and want to move past this mistake. And so, you know, fantasy, yeah, we want to, all right, I blew it. Let me move forward and, and not dwell on it and, you know, let it continue to fester and, and affect me, but really repent and, and move forward. Um, and so uh, in Proverbs, it, it says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And so we, we serve a, a loving God filled with grace and mercy. And, and he, of course, showed us that grace and mercy on the cross, and, and he forgives us of our sins and the punishment of, of death. And, and so when we receive Jesus' grace and forgiveness because of what he did on the cross, we are forgiven so that we don't have to spend eternity apart from him, but rather we spend eternity with him. But as we live here on earth, we, we do, you know, mess up and fall short and, and, and slip up and stumble and struggle, but we have to admit when we're wrong and we confess and, and we acknowledge. And, and sometimes this means we, you know, acknowledge this to somebody else, especially if, we, if we've hurt somebody else or sinned against somebody else. Um, and then that, that, that regular uh, confession to the Lord and coming clean to the Lord and agreeing with him. I know what it says in your word. And, and I, I went against your word. I disobeyed you. And, and, and you confess. Um, and so in James 5, it says, uh, therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. Gosh, that's great. Uh, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and, and can have tremendous power. Um, so that's the amplified version of that verse, uh, James 5, 16. Um, and so confess our sins to one another, that accountability. That's why we do this segment on the show, confession and accountability from a fantasy perspective. It's also a key practice in, in life. And so God knows the truth in our hearts already. So we can come before him with complete honesty and receive the strength we need to confess to others as well. And in the long run, uh, it's exhausting to live a lie and hide our struggles and secrets and, and to, to hang on to stuff uh, in our lives and then to hang on to our, to our fantasy lineup, to hang on to players that we were wrong. We missed. We whiffed on that guy. Move on. Let it go. Let, acknowledge it. Stop trying to, to, to justify or convince yourself or <laughs> like the evidence is there. It's wrong. You were wrong. I was wrong. And, and if, we, if we look in Scripture and we realize, okay, this is God's truth. This is what it says. Okay, yeah, I went against that. I was wrong. Um, so lastly, thankfully, because of Jesus, we can rest in his love, his grace, his mercy, rely on his guidance and strength to help us through restoration and repentance and experience that healing when we do screw up. 
and 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 to acknowledge our weakness. He meets us in that weakness. He heals us and 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 gives us the strength that we need. And so, as difficult as it, as it is to admit our faults, let's allow the process of revealing to bring us tremendous healing. So we'll leave it on that on that, and and you can unpack that uh, here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast. And so, as we are discussing confession and acknowledging our mistakes. Harrison, do you have any fantasy uh fantasy mistakes you need to let let off your chest today? Not really a mistake right now. Well, I've I've one that I'll save for a little bit. I'll go with this one first though. I thought Mike Williams was going to be a bona fide top 10 wide receiver this week after the first couple of weeks of the season and he has let me down these last few weeks. You know, I I still think he has value because he can always break off that big game, but he is not the dependable guy that I thought I'd be able to have in my lineup. Um, And then another wide receiver mistake that I made was I went in on drafting Michael Thomas late in some drafts this year, and he's just not even going to play now this season, which was a big mistake now that I look at it. I kept him on my bench, kept him on his IR, hoping that he would come in at some point. Never happened. Bryce, you were right. I almost worked out a trade for him. I almost did. Uh, I worked. I was so close to getting a trade for, I believe it was Stephon Diggs and Michael Thomas for Christian McCaffrey and T. Higgins, which would have been a great trade for me. And then Michael Thomas announces he's not going to play anymore and ended up falling through. So that was a huge mistake on my part that I regret now. All right. Well, thanks for the shout out. I, I was all over that that specific injury guy. My take a couple weeks ago on the show was just don't, guy, don't draft guys you know that are already injured. It's just not a great start to the fantasy season because you know enough guys are going to already get hurt. Uh, they will get hurt in the future. Um, but But where I was wrong this year, I just sold – all like I don't want any New York players other than Corey Davis, who I had a uh, trust and confidence in because of what he did for me last year with the Tennessee Titans. Um, but other than that, I don't I don't think I've had anybody else. Oh, I drafted rookie Michael Carter, um, who's actually been pretty pretty solid. But but for the most part, I was just like, eh, the Jets stink, the Giants stink. But week in week out, the Jets have produced a number of receivers, uh, Elijah Moore. Uh, Ty, Ty Johnson, I picked him up this week, actually, because I finally have come around. Um, he was good. He was productive. Double-digit fantasy points for him. And so, you know, the, the Jets, even though they lost to the Colts, still put up some decent numbers. Even Josh Johnson came in and was okay. Uh, not good enough to, to beat the Colts. But uh, I, just, I just whiffed on, on that. Um, and then the Giants, you know, Daniel Jones, he hasn't been unbelievable, but he hasn't been as bad as I thought he would be. And Evan Ingram, actually... He got into the end zone this week. Um, I kind of wrote him off because he's kind of always injured. But uh, And then Devontae Booker, I'm like, ah, veteran, backup-type running back. Uh, he's actually had a nice season um, or fill-in for, for Barkley. So, anyway, I, I was wrong on those, those two teams. And sometimes even the bad teams on paper, they end up uh, surprising you. So, <laughs> so that, was, uh, that was my bad. So, there you go. That's uh, some accountability. Um Let's see. Let's talk. Um, all right. We'll talk, I want to talk about the Broncos and the Titans specifically. And, and we'll, we'll do the segment. This pleases me. I'm encouraged. And I'm encouraged that Jerry Judy, two weeks in, both weeks has been very solid. Six of eight targets, 69 yards uh, this past Sunday. So he's, he's taking steps forward. I think this week I'll, I'll probably put him in my starting lineup. I, I think I've had him on my bench uh, for the most part in the last couple of weeks. But – I think he's going to be better than Cortland Sutton. 
uh, which leads us to the peace or panic. And so he's under that category. Do we do we pan? I, I would lean toward panic for Cortland Sutton because I just, I think Judy's better, and I think Bridgewater trusts Judy more and likes Judy more, even Tim Patrick more so than Cortland Sutton. And then also with the running backs, man, I'm encouraged by how good Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have been playing together. It's a one-two punch. So that means neither one of them is carrying the load. And and I kind of think that both of them could keep this going toward the end of the season. Whereas we've seen the workhorse backs or wannabe workhorse backs get banged up. And now the, the true time split is benefiting both of them. So that's what I'm encouraged by. Yeah, so the Melvin Gordon thing is really funny to me because in one of my leagues, you know, I remember we talked about earlier in the season about, oh, don't get the veteran who's on his way out. Just get it yeah. on someone like you believe in. But Melvin Gordon was available on, I think, like the ninth round of one of my fantasy leagues. And I'm like, well, he's the starting running back. Like, I have to take him. And as soon as I took him, I knew I felt like I was going to regret it. It was going to be something that was like, oh, I should just gone with the guy I believed in. But he's been good for me. He's been in my flex the entire season. He's a top 20 running back. I mean, I'm surprised by how involved he's still been because everyone was just talking about Javante Williams. Javante Williams, so great. Melvin Gordon still played really well this season. And then with Cortland Sutton, I'm also extremely panicked about him. Uh, he's got in, he got banged up a little bit this week. But then also Tim Patrick, you know, we thought that Tim Patrick just wasn't going to be talked about at all. Once he came, once uh, Jerry Judy came back and the two receivers were going to be Judy and Sutton. The two receivers there are Judy and Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick has a place in this offense and he's still on a lot of waivers because a lot of people dropped him after, you know, Jerry Judy came back thinking he'd be the odd man out. But I think both those receivers have a lot to offer in fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, The other thing I'm encouraged by is Brandon Cooks, another sorry team that at least has one productive fantasy guy in, in Cooks. 13 targets uh, with Tyrod Taylor back, and the problem is he's not going to score touchdowns, but he gets catches and he gets some yards. And so as a, you know, in a deeper league, wide receiver two, flex guy, uh, Cooks at least is still still hanging in there. And even Taylor actually didn't play that great three interceptions, but that's who he's going to throw to. And they're going to be down in games. And who was it? Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins stink, and they still the Texans struggled against them. Uh, yet Cooks is still a benefit, you know, a benefit of that. So uh, it's easy to overlook the sorry teams. We, we talked about that at one point throughout the season too. Uh, but if you can find that one kind of diamond in the rough on that team for the Texans. It's Cooks. Thankfully, I've got him in one league, so that, that helps. Uh, anything else you're you're encouraged by? So I was going to say that I was encouraged by Nick Chubb's huge game this weekend after coming back from injury, but now we have news that he tested positive for COVID-19 as well as Demetric Felton. So we'll, I'm holding the brakes on that for a little bit. We'll talk about that in Investor Pass, how we feel about the backfield there for the upcoming week. Sounds good. Okay, well, real quickly, we'll do Peace or Panic. Um couple tight ends, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. Uh, and so, you know, we, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the emergence of, of Goddard to be this dominant, unbelievable, next level, elite tight end. Still hasn't happened. Zach Ertz going to this great offense in Arizona where there's a lot of production, a lot of scoring, a lot of opportunity, a lot of fantasy points. And I guess the first game he scored a touchdown and then kind of the last two games, he's been pretty quiet. Uh, so where do you come out on, on peace or panic with those two guys? 
Yeah, so Dallas Goddard's a guy who I never really had high hopes for this entire season, but was more someone where if you need a tight end, you can play him. He'll get you, you know, four receptions for 50 yards. He's not going to put up a zero, but he's not going to put up, you know, 20 either. He'll be all right. So I think he's done exactly what, you know, a lot of people, have ex- not a lot of, I should say a lot of people expect him to be great, but at least what I've expected him this season just to be eh, mediocre tight end on a bad team usually what happens you look that like tj hawkinson hasn't really taken the step but it's just been eh on detroit um and then with zach Ertz, you know he was someone who i thought after that first game with arizona that he was going to be really big for them especially when you look at you know what max williams did the first couple weeks of the season before he got injured but i'm you know i'm selling zach Ertz completely now as well i just think arizona um, with Kyler being banged up and the offense not being as explosive as we projected, uh, I don't think there's room for a tight end along with all the other receivers and running backs that they have on that t- uh, team to put up fantasy points. All right, so the Rams-Titans game was a big one on Sunday night, and in many ways it was a statement game for Tennessee. All eyes are on this offense, especially to see what were they going to look like without Derrick Henry, the, the player that carried them all season and, you know, playing like an MVP, fantasy MVP without a doubt. And so they come in with this three running back committee. Um, and before I say that, the Rams, I'm not panicking. They'll be fine. I, I think they're, that was just a stinker game. Things unraveled early and they just they, they were in a hole from the get go. I'm not selling on any of those Rams offensive players. I was in on them at the beginning of the season. And I'm going to ride it out till the end of the year. And I won't be surprised to see an LA LA uh, championship Super Bowl. So, uh, so we'll see about that. Um, but Nick McNichols, I was hesitant on him last week. I think you were too. It was kind of like, eh, I'm not real thrilled. It wasn't like, Oh, here comes McNichols. He's going to replace the the production and he's gonna be great for fantasy owners. I picked him up in one or two leagues just to, to have him. or actually I had him weeks ago. Uh, in preparation for the potential of Henry going down. But then, you know, the signing of Adrian Peterson, how much does he have left in the tank? But there's a third guy that you like. So, peace or panic, Titans running backs, and maybe it's even more investor pass on these guys, I guess is is probably the proper uh, way to to approach this. But where where do you come out after game one? So, going into Sunday... um, I was reading between the lines a little bit about what they were doing with, you know, Adrian Peterson, the news that was coming out about him. So usually if you pick up a guy like Adrian Peterson or something, there's going to be a ton of media then all over the Titans practice about, oh, Adrian Peterson was in practice and looked great. Oh, Adrian Peterson scored a touchdown in practice, hyping him up. We didn't hear any of that, which if we didn't even hear people trying to force feed how great Adrian Peterson is, he's probably not that good. So I went up. Yeah. And I, so I went and I pick up Donta Foreman, you know, a little bit younger running back, but still not, you know, a, a rookie, like he's been in the league a couple of years who they claimed, um, off of free agency and then, and then put on their practice squad and elevated him for the game thinking, you know, I don't believe McNichols is going to be the guy. I don't believe that Adrian Peterson is going to be the guy at, you know, th- 40 years old. So let's see what Donta Foreman can do. And he was the one who I stashed on my bench, uh, this weekend. And exactly what I thought was going to happen, kind of happened, was that Adrian Peterson looked really bad. You know, it was masked a little bit by the touchdown at the end, but I don't read into that 
that much because the first time when they went in the red zone, Donta Foreman actually got those snaps in the red zone when they were there the first time actually competing. The garbage time touchdown by Adrian Peterson, I think more is just, all right, well, let's give Adrian Peterson a touchdown because it would be cool for Adrian Peterson to score a touchdown on the goal line. Um, But, you know, when you look at Donta Foreman led that team in rushing despite having the least carries among McKissick and Peterson. And I think that's just because he's better than both of them at, you know, being a between the tackle running back. McKissick is going to still get the receptions and the passing work, but I wouldn't be surprised if after having a full week of practices, you know, Peterson got the start just because I think he was the first guy they signed and he'd been there the longest. So that's who they rolled with. But after a full week of practices, I think they're going to realize that Dante Foreman's a much better player at this point in his career than Adrian Peterson is. And he's going to be the one that gets the bulk of the work for the Titans in their next game. So I think right now he's going pretty under the radar on waivers. He's the guy that you want to have on your bench instead of Peterson. I'm not saying that he should be someone you should be starting right away. But if you're trying to invest in this Titans backfield, I would go with Dante Foreman just because of his upside over Peterson. All right. It's a good take. You convinced me. I'm going to try. I actually, I, I, I did pass on him as I looked at the waiver wire this past week. Uh, and so now I'm kind of kicking myself for that because that's a, that's a good thought. So it's worth, I, think it's, I think it's worth a try, worth an investment at this point in the season. All right, let's, let's continue on the waiver wire. Invest or pass. Uh, some easy ones. You know, DeErnest Johnson with, with Chubb and Felton, both questionable with the, the virus and testing positive. Um, they still might be okay. They have to just pass some tests and all, you know, all the different logistics that, that happen with all this stuff. But uh, to me, DeErnest Johnson shouldn't have been dropped yet. So he should still be on rosters. Um, and then, you know, Devin Singletary most likely is on rosters. I, of course, happened to drop him this week right before the game. Um, and then Zach Moss gets the concussion. So Singletary potentially gets more work for the Bills without Moss. But we've seen this before. I mean, he, I'm out on Singletary. I'm more intrigued by Matt Breida. So I'm going to go take a flyer on Matt Breida who we know years ago was good. Was it just because of San Francisco that Matt Breida was good? That could definitely be the case. But maybe Breida gets a, gets a look. He's new in Buffalo, and if Moss happens to be out this week, I, I'm intrigued by Matt Breida, who's the third-string running back uh, in, in Buffalo. So they got to they do something different because the running game isn't working, Buffalo. Try something else. Get another guy out there. If you're losing to Jacksonville, look at your, look at your bench, look at your roster, and say, hey, let, let, maybe we should try something else. Because you're banging your head against the wall, and in order to to win a Super Bowl, you got to have some running game. So, all right, Buffalo, do it. Um, I'll let you jump in. Who, who are you investing or passing on this week? So, one guy who I think is interesting for this week and in the future is you know Benjamin, running back for the Arizona Cardinals. So they've used two running backs pretty much all season with Chase Edmonds and James Conner. And James Conner's been that, you know, between the tackles guy, Edmonds been using the passing game. But now Edmonds is out supposedly four to six weeks. And I don't think James Conner is suddenly going to become this pass catching back in this offense. And we saw, you know, Benjamin have a good game this last week. I think he's going to have a role in this offense for the weeks to come. Now, I don't think he's going to be as great as Chase Edmonds was just because I don't think he's that talented. I also think Rondell Moore will maybe take some backfield snaps like he did in the preseason. But I think there will be a role for him in this offense in the flex position uh, alongside James Conner. Another guy who we mentioned last week a little bit, 
Brandon Ayuk, I think, is going to be good for the second half of this fantasy season. You know, he was in the doghouse earlier in the year with Kyle Shanahan. He had a lingering injury. We didn't really know what was going on, but we could all agree that Brandon Ayuk was a very talented football player whatever the reason was that he wasn't being utilized on the field. So now that he's actually getting the chance, we've seen this week he had a big week. Week before that, he was decent. You know, this offense, I think there's enough room for Kittle, Samuel, and Ayuk all to have decent roles and put up fantasy points for the rest of the season, especially because, you know, their running back, Elijah Mitchell, doesn't really offer anything in the passing game. So he's not vulturing any receptions uh, from tight ends or receivers. So I think he's not maybe not going to be what we hope for as, you know, a top 15 receiver when the season started. But I think he'll be a solid, you know, 12 points per game with a little bit more upside flex play as the season goes on. So I would go out and try to get Brandon Ayuk if you need a wide receiver. Yeah, I'm thankful I got him. He's finally, finally showing some a glimmer of hope, glimmer of hope for Mayuk. All right, let's uh, wrap up the show with a one-hit wonder of the week. Uh, it's a guy that randomly scored a touchdown. We don't necessarily think it's going to happen again. And then we share a song that that we love that's a one-hit wonder. And so I will start with Patrick Ricard from the Ravens. He's a fullback, 27 years old, out of Maine. 303 pound fullback. Are you kidding me? So he got into the end zone. He actually had three of five uh, targets, uh, three receptions out of five targets, 35 yards and a touchdown, but uh, not really counting on, on that too much. Now the Ravens they are finding any, you know, they'll put anybody in the backfield. Just uh, we're trying to get some production. Freeman had a big day for them, uh, but Ricard good for him. And my one hit wonder song, which they kind of have two hits, so all right. But I was listening to the Space Jam, the original, the OG, uh, Space Jam album, and the Space Jam like theme song, Quad City DJs. Little Maddie and I were uh, were jamming out to that in the basement on Saturday morning, and that was awesome. So uh, great song by, by them. But Quad City DJs also have "Come on, Ride the Train." Um, come on, ride it. And that's another great song. So that's always that's always fun at a wedding. When I my middle school dances growing up, I, I, yeah, the train. Come on, ride the train. It was always a good time. So there's your your kind of dual one hit wonder uh, songs of the week. What about for you, Harrison? All right. So my player is Kene Wangu, rookie running back out of Ooh. Iowa State for the Minnesota Vikings. He only had one carry for nine yards. First carry of the season for him. But he had a 98-yard kick return touchdown, which put him on the board. Got to feel good for the rookie. Um, And my song of the week is Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede, which I think is like the perfect fantasy song (laughs) because I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing. That's how we are about our fantasy players. Yeah. We're we're hooked on a feeling that someone's going to score. We're yep. we're high when you know our guys do well week in and week out. So I think it meshes perfectly with fantasy for this week. I like it. There you go. Good way to end. Well, Harrison, great job. I know you're touch under the weather, yelling at your your Bears team last night, and not feeling not feeling well when you woke up as as close of a game an opportunity as the Bears had last night to pull it out, but. Uh, you hung on. You got through the show. So good work. Uh, appreciate you. Have a wonderful week. And we will be back next Tuesday here on the Un or sorry, it's the Unpacking a Podcast on Mondays. Tuesdays, it's the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare. 
He's Harrison. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans and fantasy owners who follow Jesus together. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MediShare. Check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it for your healthcare needs. We appreciate their support and appreciate you as a listener. Email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com if you have any fantasy questions. Always love hearing from you, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much.